I grew up in a divorced family. My parents divorced when I was one years old and I was in two broken families. So I ended up growing up seeing abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, drugs and alcohol. It was a broke mindset, a scarcity mindset. You're not good enough. We don't have enough. And it led me to becoming a mere image of that. So I became that person because I didn't have any right from wrong perspectives. I just had both perspectives being complete damage. I grew up with migraines. I grew up with visions of the world coming to an end. I used to have nightmares and dreams about consciousness and spirits. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I had speaking problems, learning difficulties. I didn't know how to read properly. And it was very traumatizing and lonely, but I found a way to just believe in myself and always had a connection to source, but I didn't know what it was and how to utilize what I'm going to talk about later. So before my near-death experience, I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and I was always indulging in parties, drinking and driving. I was just mindless. I would not be afraid to drive through a red light when there's traffic. I was doing dangerous, dangerous things. I would do that, get out of the car, and cause fights and scare people. I was very abrasive, very challenging, very defiant, but I didn't have a path. I didn't know what I had deep down inside. I just was afraid. I was weak, but I was covered it up with anger. I wanted to take out my childhood abuse out on the world. I wanted to take out my victim mindset of what I was told that you're shit, you're never gonna be good enough, you're dirty, you're broke, you have torn up clothes. So whenever I saw somebody, that's what I saw in them, that they were gonna abuse me, they were gonna judge me, they were gonna mislead me, and they were gonna dismiss me and undermine my, my intelligence. And I didn't know any guidance or wisdom. I didn't have any truth at that time. And what led to my near-death experience was I ended up waking up in the morning with one thought in my mind. Today, I'm going to have drugs and alcohol. I called up a friend. I said, this is what we're going to do today. This is what I want to do. She said, okay, no problem. I'm having a house party anyways. Just come to my house. There's going to be a bunch of girls, drugs, alcohol, liquor. So I ended up just partying hard, not caring, not being mindful, cognizant of my limit. Nothing affected me. I would take mushrooms and ecstasy and cocaine and alcohol all together but this night I decided that I wasn't getting what I wanted so I ended up driving to another person's house but in between I was getting confused I was getting lost and I was seeing lights going past me and at that point I knew the drugs and alcohol had kicked in severely so intensely that it was just the beginning it was just within the first 15 minutes of me leaving the house and i was already there for a good hour and a half so i realized that i was speeding 
But at that moment, I challenged myself. I said, push harder. And I went pedal to the metal. I went right to the floor. I said at that point, I don't care. And when you say I don't care to source to your higher self, then you're going to reap what you sow. I ended up side swiping a vehicle and I ended up hitting a house. Going 100 kilometers an hour, ejecting headfirst completely out of the vehicle. And that's when I was done for. I didn't know whether I was alive or dead, but as I'm laying there unconscious, I felt a presence. I heard a presence and it could have been the people from within the house or as I always thought it was angels that did this because I don't know who would have the guts to move somebody when an investigation is supposed to be taking place and police are supposed to be called. But my body was shifted to the passenger side of the vehicle and it's all documented. And at that point, I came out of my body. My spirit, my, my consciousness, my soul had left my body and observed what's going on. And when I saw my body, I knew that everything that I've ever seen and witnessed in life about experiences, angels and doctors and people being hospitalized and unconscious for 20 years was real. At that moment, when I saw my body, I knew that's what was happening. So the ambulance showed up and they're speaking amongst each other saying he's losing too much blood. I don't know if we can revive him. Let's put him in the ambulance. They tried their best. They're rushing me to the hospital. They knew that I was dying and I was able to see what they were doing. And I allowed it. I was almost so detached and I got out of my body, followed the ambulance to the hospital and I tuned out until they got my body on the gurney and they started taking me to surgery and tried to revive me. All I remember is being on my deathbed. Tubes in and out of me, them saying my lung is collapsed. I've lost too much blood. There's shards of glass behind my neck in my head. They don't know if I'm gonna survive. And at that moment, that's when I realized that there's something more to me. Because if my body is dead, but I'm having these abilities to come out of my body and I can leave and I can see what's going on, that's not make-believe. What can I do with that? I started to notice that after a couple hours after my surgeries and they had me on life support. Eventually, my mom shows up, my sister shows up, and families being called overseas. I was able to remote view anywhere that I desired. I was able to enter consciousness and be in alignment with people's frequency and thoughts and feelings and emotions. I was able to hear what they were thinking, not what they were saying. I was able to hear people praying for me. And I was able to hear my mom's thoughts as she's ringing and waiting for someone to come on the phone before she would speak it. Then she would speak it, and then I would sense the frequency go to the next person through the telephone wires. 
I was able to consciously connect to frequencies. And I was able to go to, for example, my uncle. He was on his way to a vacation with his children. And when my mom called him, he had to make an abrupt stop and tell everybody in the car that um, we got to turn around and we got to go. Malcolm's on life support. And I was able to sense feelings and I sensed what my cousins felt and they didn't really care. They wanted to go on their vacation. My uncle, on the other hand, he was following a duty to do what he, he needed to do. So I was able to come and go in and out of my body at will. I was able to travel around the hospice, the hospital and see different families coming and going and people coming and whispering into my ear. I could be at all places at once. And people who ask, was it a dream? Was it a vision? Was it just a thought? Were you awake and you're squinting or you were aware? I challenged it myself. But when I woke up from my life support, I told each and every person what they had thought of me, what they prayed for me, and what they spoke to everybody on the phones. So that's what made it real for me was when I came back and I told everybody what their thoughts were and what they were sending and what they were thinking and feeling. And they just were stone cold. They didn't know how to perceive it, what to say. But I would say, what's wrong? You don't, they said, that's true. I just don't know what to say. How do you know that? And there's been other things that I was able to do. Like I was unconscious. I was on life support. But when I was on the breathing apparatus, my spirit told me I have to take my neck brace off. Otherwise, my body's going to die. The breathing apparatus is not going to work. I had to take off my neck brace. So I was able to come back when I knew my body needed me. When I say me, my spirit, to go in for a surgery so I could survive that, that surgery. Sometimes your soul needs to be nearby your body so you can survive. And the moment that I left this realm was when my mom had a decision to make whether to keep me alive or unplug me. And alive meaning being on life support or to unplug me and see what's going to happen. Because the doctor had told the nurses to mention to my mother, do you want to unplug him? She had to make a decision. She went and huddled up with all different family members. I think she also had to speak to my dad. And everyone was debating what to do. Everyone was going back and forth to the doctors. I had uncles and aunts. They just wanted assurance. So they were having interviews with the doctors and I was witnessing it all spiritually because it wasn't in my room. It was outside at the office and they were asking like, are you sure? And then another uncle come, well, how do you know? Like he's going to survive or, and then it would be my dad. Well, I don't know. We should make this decision. And, and then ultimately my mom had to come in and be convinced and believe in what the nurses were saying. They decided to unplug me. But at that split moment, I had to make a decision, my soul. And that's when I left my body and I had to go and do a mission. I ended up leaving my body and going further and further and further away. I was almost not in control. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew 
I had to do this. My body was being pulled and I was able to see everything. I was able to see the hospital, see the land, and I, I left this atmosphere into space and entered the tunnel. And I was warped right through for a very, I don't want to say a very long time, probably a few minutes. But it felt like I was traveling an eternity, like I was traveling so far so fast. And I ended up seeing just black, all black, after I passed through all the lights and everything. And I entered this light. I didn't want to debate this. Because my body was crippled. I lost a lot of blood. They didn't know what was if I was paralyzed. They couldn't figure out anything. All they knew is my left tibia had fractured. My lung was collapsed. I lost a lot of blood. And that's it. That's all they knew at that moment. They didn't know about the brain damage. They didn't know about my short-term memory loss. They didn't know about the numbness over 75% of my body. They didn't know that I was going to wake up limp. So... Ultimately, I could have come into that type of body and not have any sense of awareness or control. The fact that I surrendered and believed and trust into the source, I was welcomed and entered a white light. It was almost like a comprehension of like, I'm here, welcome. And I felt love. I felt compassion. I felt forgiveness. No judgment. Don't worry. You're forgiven. You're here now. And I seen angels. I seen sources. And there was one prominent figure that spoke out to me and asked me, well, what do you want to do? And the way I describe these angels and source, it was like, a connection to myself. I knew that that's what soul was. Forgiveness. Detachment. Love and embrace. And they just embodied that. It was like humble students. And that white light, when you connect to that, it's what we can connect to in the here and now. It's like this feeling that we can raise our vibrational frequency and we can tap into these thoughts and these feelings. And when we start feeling that it's warm and it's happiness and it's joy and it's forgiveness and we can forgive our enemies. This is what I tapped into to do thought release techniques. These are the same feelings that I used to heal my trauma, my pain, my broken bones. This is exactly what I use to get off and trust addictions and pharmaceuticals. You have a sense of knowing. It's an embrace. You can pull it in and you can detach from it. And when you detach from it, you start to notice things going wrong. When you bring yourself back and you start connecting to that and then you send an intention to what you're using it for, healing, service to others, forgiveness, then it becomes real.
here on our earth. And I looked at a life review that expressed just my perspective and other people that I interacted with and their perspective, their emotions, their feelings, their thoughts, their energies, and the rights, the wrongs, the karma cycles and patterns. That's what my life review was. It was interactions and the choices that I made. The things that I could have done and should have done and would have done differently. And that to me weighed a lot more than the ease and peace and bliss and joy of being where I was. I was attached to the physical world and I had judgments and I sensed my reality on earth. And I looked back and I I knew what was missing. And I needed to redeem myself because if my soul's purpose was to change, I had to make a decision and an oath to myself that I'm going to change. And this was all intentional, all telepathic. And I was asked again, what do you want to do? And as soon as I knew and Source knew I meant what I was saying, that I made that oath, I was welcomed back. And I left the white light, I left that, that realm, and I entered back into the tunnel and traveled back the same way how I came. And I, I viewed our atmosphere, I entered, and I viewed the hospital I had to go back into, and entering inside of it, and then coming into my body. And as soon as that happened, that's when I was unplugged. And minutes later, I woke up. I felt disconnected from source. I felt lost, heavy again in this physical world. And I felt the stress, the pain, the depression, the anxiety, the fears, the doubt, the dwelling on the wrong things. And the things that we tend to complain about. I was back into the same body the same mindset and the same person and the same characteristics. So I looked at my bo- my body and I'm like, what's wrong with me? My leg is all puffed up and I remember everything about how I'm separated. So although family came and mom came, those were the same people that wished death on me before I died. Those were the same people that I hurt, I injured, I put fear in that that I made them so toxic because of my toxicity that they wished death on me. They wished I died. My sister wished I got run over from a bus. My my dad said, I'm going to die a lonely man. All these words were told to me in my entire life, but yet they were there. So when I woke up, I came into this reality and this perspective of, I didn't want to forgive them. I didn't want to turn my eye or brush it under the carpet. I was at a point where I wanted people to understand my pain and suffering. I did understand what happened to me, but the connection was lost. And in order for me to have that connection come back together, I had to synchronize myself and rediscover and relearn myself as a spiritual being in a body. So that was another journey within itself.
when I first started to express these thoughts and feelings to my family and friends, it took me some time because I could read between the lines of their consciousness. They're going to see me as, is this guy telling the truth? What's he talking? You know, so it was strange for my mom, for example, when I told her. So I had to prove things in reality for them to see how is that possible for them to conceive it properly. So a lot of times I didn't talk to people. I didn't tell anybody that it wasn't worth or deserving to know these things because they would just dismiss it or brush it under the carpet. But I told my sister she believed me because I told her word for word what she was thinking, feeling, and what she was, all her thoughts. And she was like, my God, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking and saying. And I started telling her and she was just in awe and shock because she's never experienced an out-of-body experience or a near-death experience or that type of a soul connection at that time. And I was able to see through people and read between the lines. So when something would come out of someone's words, I knew what they were feeling and thinking. And when a nurse would say to me, that's not true, your bones are broken. What are you talking about? That's going to take eight to 12 weeks. The doctor says that takes three to eight months or it may never recover. Looks like you're paralyzed 75% from the looks of it. You have brain damage. Doctors were saying you may not walk the same. You may not talk the same. That bones take this amount of time to heal. But something source within me said, that's not true. I'll prove it. And I'll go into my body. I'll go into my cells. And I'll start healing my bones and healing my nerves, healing my muscles. Remember, my muscles were torn. My, I had severe, severe nerve damage and muscle tearage and veins, everything was mangled. And I started to heal and untwine myself. And in a few days, my lung that was collapsed, fused back and healed. Where they said there's certain weeks or months of practice that I have to do, I was able to take that into days. Where they said my bone would take certain lengths of weeks or month, I was able to take that within weeks. I was basically proving people wrong and they didn't like that. So I had this sense of control. I know there's people in the world that you've interviewed. Wim Hof is capable of doing things like that. But these things are innate abilities that we have. And people who don't practice, who don't study and educate themselves, they will not be able to discover this until they have their own life review. And that's why I make it an onus to change and to teach and guide people how there's steps to change. I just want to be able to help people not see this as a false reality. This is truth. What comes in the way of making it easy is called surrender and detachment, acceptance and admittance. Once you do the self-work, of your own fraudulence, then those things that seem so hard will come easy once you deal with yourself first. You don't just go outside of yourself, right? So if your demons are inside of you and you're negative, you're toxic and you're belligerent, you put your frequency on the thought of doubt or scarcity or lack or separation or divorce, it's so easy to manifest because you're doing the work. 
you're being that person. And everything is in alignment for things to synchronize. So if you keep staying at this state, then things will manifest. Like people will get sick. They're going to start uh, surrounding themselves with low vibes, people that don't believe. Because what they're not doing is surrendering, accepting, and admitting. They are not going into the vulnerability and sitting in it. So they escape. They leave. They can't handle the tense emotion and they escape and they go do something that is opposite of their potential. They will become a victim. They'll go want to do whatever they want because they're not trying. So in order to become a different person, you have to change your inner self, your personality. Like Dr. Joe Dispenza says, your personal reality in order to change your reality. And that's how you're able to quantify your experiences in life and quantum jump 20 years in advance. You're able to heal something that they say is going to take 20 weeks in, in 20 days. And these are things that are possible if you just self-realize and self-actualize and study and research and make an effort to change when it's hard so then it becomes easy and natural. So if you are trying to manifest and you want to attract and you're watching and you're like, I don't know if I'm not at that level yet. I don't think I could do that. So you take stories and then you would want to see how do people transform? Then you would start to research. Okay, so you came from the gutter. How did you get to where you are today? You watch stories. And you have to understand that we're all one to self-actualize. We have to self-realize from people that have done it before. You know, I show my son, for example, there's a mother with no arm and legs. The husband died. And he was one years old when I showed this to him. And I showed a three-year-old cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the mother in a third world country. And I said, and you can't take a chair and climb up and wash your own glass. And as he became two, three years old, four years old, he started making his own eggs, packing his own lunch, believing in himself. Because you have to take the scarcity, you have to take the fraudulence, and you have to show it in front of your face. And that's why you have to do a mirror talk. You have to look at your fraudulence and you have to admit surrender and accept where you are now it's not like you look in the mirror and say yes i'm beautiful i want to be beautiful i want to be amazing i want to love my self-image and this you don't start there you start from looking at your fraudulence so you look at admitting where you're at and how wrong you are and where you need to go and start releasing and eliminating it's a process of elimination before you start to believe in things right so you have to release things out of you first before you can start believing in what's possible a simple way to do it but i would highly recommend you do all the other work first before you just think you want to manifest because sometimes life will manifest you tests cycles and karmas remember that it's very important so if you are trying to manifest Let's just say the new company, right? A new company, a new job, and you put your thought on it. You can manifest it by taking the things that you're grateful for 
that make you feel happy, the smallest little thing, and breathe some light into that and embody that feeling. There's a way that you could do breathing techniques or you could suck that into your your consciousness, into your body, and you can visualize through your third eye and you can paint pictures or you can imagine conversations. You can imagine scenes. Start there. And then you take the action and the intention. With that intention in mind, you go out, you take the action, and you start job searching. You start looking. And that's what I did. And every dream job, every career that I wanted, I got. The income that I wanted, I was able to get it at that time. So you can do it like that. But what happens is there's always going to be a test. So you might be hit with control. Someone's controlling your money. It's a toxic environment. So yes, you could attract, but in order to attract perfectly what your desires, you got to release your own cycles, patterns, and karmas. So then your attraction comes with a pure intention, not with the intention of your karma cycles and patterns that you have currently inside of you. So visualization, you could do it while you're showering, when you feel in that you're in that theta or alpha state. You could do it intentionally before bed when you're drowsy and you can paint images. Neville Goddard speaks about imagination and imagining from there. So you could go to sleep inside of your dream home. You could go to sleep inside of your dream car. You could drive your dream car in your imagination and stay in your imagination. So you're imagining from there. So there's different techniques, different modalities, different methods, and each one works different for each person. But people don't want to believe because they're getting distracted by so much. They're not doing enough of the work for the belief to come. So find your happy place that is the place you want to be with the people you want to be around and Make sure you forgive your enemies. Make sure you forgive your your mother, your father. It doesn't mean you have to be in their life. If you're in their life, forgive them. But if you're not in their life, you, you still have to forgive them, right? So these things help with emptying your mind and clearing your mind. No, I've done that. I've tried and tried and tried but they will just let you down and let themselves down. I was that type of person too, always educating, teaching, trying to make effort for people to understand or to change and grow. But the reason why I distanced myself from family is because they need to want to do this course, this path themselves to understand their own cycles and then the patterns that they take when those cycles occur and then to prevent the karmas that are a result of the patterns and cycles. So once someone understands these three steps and how to fundamentally do the process and how to do it, they're in the process of change and they will get closer to source, to their higher spirit, to energies, and they'll be able to listen to what's within and the whispers much clearer. And 
I understand you got to have compassion for human beings and spiritual beings and it's a heavy world. But when someone's consciousness is not at a certain state or a certain level, nothing you say to them will get comprehended from their perspective. And you are so tapped into these frequencies that you're allowing and you're accepting that in your life. So the reason why I let it go is because I know that you can't change someone. You can't make somebody change unless they're willing to change. And what you put out there, the world will give you. So to paint a picture of does the world see me as this? Well, do you see yourself as this? You have to believe it to see it. You don't see it to believe it. And you could do this with anything. I don't want to use my past examples because I was able to manifest relationships that turned out toxic. That was the karma, right? I got the lessons I needed to learn in life. Yes, I got the image that I wanted, but the behavioral traits and the toxicity I got because that was what I was inside of myself. So once you become what you are inside of yourself, then consciousness gives you that back in life. So we are all doing it. Everything that you are attracting into life, you are bringing it into your life with your thoughts alone. You're manifesting it. See your future self. What is he? Who is he? What is he doing? Give him that power and visualize what, what is he doing in his life. And when you do that and when you articulate that vision, you've created a reality in a multiple dimension that you have not jumped into. So don't paint a picture of I'm afraid because you're jumping into that reality. You've created that reality and all now that it has to take is you to enter that. So you got to paint another bubble, create another image, a new dimension. Because of what we put, the content we put in our mind and what we believe as children and what's been told to us throughout the years of our life. And when we go into the world, the doctors, the teachers, the lawyers, the police officers, everybody has the same limiting belief that they have not healed. So they're expressing it out into the world and we're perceiving it. Oh, police people are like this. Politicians are like this. The news. I don't watch the news. I don't watch none of that because I know it's a fraud. I know it's a facade to keep us at a low consciousness. So you don't want to do that, but you can use dark energy. You could use feelings and thoughts of low vibrational to enter a belief. You can use dark energy and dark matter to enter into a vision. So you can visualize, right? So if your predominant vision was, I don't know, I'm afraid that I get too powerful, I might do something wrong. Just use the energy, not the belief. Take the energy and take that energy and put it into a belief that you truly want to rediscover and, and revisit. And every day, practice that every day. You got to look at yourself in the mirror, in the eyes. You got to go to sleep with it. You got to wake up with that. You have to make it a daily practice until everything is rewired. You got to rewire your own brain. Your brain right now, by the way, is not serving you. Our brains are malleable, but it's not serving us 
because you haven't programmed it to. So you can program your subconscious to serve your consciousness and your brain. So your awareness could still be visualizing and doing the things and doing the intentions, but your subconscious, you can actually reprogram so it serves you in real time, in reality. Like right now, if, if for example, a symptom were to come up or someone's around me, my subconscious comes on and protects me and it heals me without me rewiring my brain to do it. My subconscious is doing it like it's automated. So I'm constantly seeking. I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly studying, self-educating, self-expanding. I'm on day four of a four-day fast. So I haven't eaten for four days and it's to wake me up more. My gut bacteria more, my cells more, my nerves, my neurons send signals. This is a good time to manifest and attract. And anybody can get there. Anybody can get to a place where their subconscious is serving their higher good. I would say, I love you. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll find out the truth. And listen. That's what I would say. I was, listen. Because sometimes the littlest things means a lot. But a lot of us don't listen. We don't know how to listen. We don't know. We don't want to appreciate our thoughts. Appreciate our ego mind. We don't want to love appreciate, acknowledge, and surrender to our ego and let our ego be heard, seen, and felt. We walk away from our egos. We need to love it, understand it, appreciate it, acknowledge it, bless it. Belief will come through trial and error, through turmoil, through adversity, But it's not that we wait for the pain and suffering. Sometimes we have to enter it. Sometimes you have to go into the pain and suffering. We have to go through the grievances. It's a journey and everybody's on their own time lapse. And I have learned through my failures, through my mistakes and my suffering. The death experience was just a bang in the head, a wake up call, but then it became worse after I woke up from life support. My life got into shambles worse afterwards. But in your downtime, stay connected. Just listen, quiet, breathe, walk away from the family for a second, go in the washroom, lock yourself, look in the mirror, get a plant and practice growing a plant, practice healing yourself, practice loving yourself. So what led to my near-death experience was karmas, cycles, and patterns catching up to me. My written destiny caught up to me and slapped me in the face because I wasn't listening to the whispers. I didn't know how to listen to the whispers. I didn't know how to break free of my karmas, my cycles, and my patterns. I was doing things unconsciously while being conscious of doing it. So... What happens in life is these karma cycles and patterns, they start to 
keep giving you these tests to see how you're going to differentiate yourself, how you're going to receive them differently. So I command and demand myself, my higher self, for compellings. You don't dwell on what you don't want. You dwell on what you want. And my prayers are in alignment with what I'm doing on a daily basis. It's not just I'm praying for something and I sit down and hope one day it comes into my life. I will intentionally know what I am praying for with action. And my whole life review has changed. I'm doing a life review while I'm on planet Earth. I'm not waiting till I die to go through another life review. I'm reviewing life right now. I understand if somebody says it's too heavy. Why? What's the point? I just want to commit suicide because I've wanted to commit suicide. I felt those feelings of what's the point. But what are we feeding? Are we feeding that vibe or are we going to feed the opposite, right? So I know it's hard to say it to somebody that wants to commit suicide that you're feeding it too much. You're feeding it. You're feeding it. Start to feed something different. Think of other intentions. Think of other moments. Think of a granddaughter. Think of a daughter. Think of what you love. Think of that tea. Think of something that makes brings joy. Anything. It's hard to tell them that. But I would say I understand. And I was able to get myself out. Just like millions of people all around the world that have not done it. That their spirit will look down on them and say, you could have, you should have, you would have done something differently. This was the path. And then they'll help have their self-realization. But you don't have to die to have your self-realization. You can self-realize and self-actualize what you're doing and take the pain of the feeling and do it anyways. Do something else anyways. Even though it hurts and it's easier to dwell of being sick and tired and wanting to commit suicide, you can take all of that and try something else. Take the risk, take the jump and leave that mentality. Do something else that you find is harder for you to do. Like, I don't want to shower right? Go shower. Just do it. Be depressed in the shower. Okay. Wow. That's a small win. I showered. Okay. Now, you know, go baby steps, small little things. Watch more experiences. Just all of the people who have come out of cancer and tumors, watch stories of people who wanted to commit suicide, start to learn and grow and develop yourself. You are not who you think you are. There's more meaning to your life. And there's more abilities that we are not tapping into. For example, pyrokinesis, telekinesis. We have abilities to levitate. We have abilities to use our chi. And people do it. But the research, the people of world-renowned speakers that talk about our spirit, they're not talking about pyrokinesis and telekinesis and moving objects and lifting objects and starting things on fire and levitating and floating. What about all that? Why aren't you guys partnering up to 
work that machine mechanically with consciousness if that's all that's missing in technology is consciousness there's thousands and thousands of people on our planet that are so good at consciousness if we believe that we can do everything that we can do to rewire our subconscious minds to forgive and love what kind of person would we be to leave this earth and not to do it for somebody else that's living and doing bad things on planet earth we have to forgive the ring we have to forgive those realms those dark energies but if we lose our control spiritual beings lose our control and we let them take control then we're doomed into a futuristic turmoil yes it'll be futuristic but it'll be devastation it will be mindlessness unconsciousness it'll be robots and ai algorithms and us in virtual reality and food and destroying and not caring about us as a divine spiritual beings and not in control of our body we'll just want to be a part of what that government decided that this society is going to become but if we come into our powers and we have discussions that we need to figure out a an even level playing field bringing them together and saying do it let's figure this out because i don't want to be a walking living contradiction i don't want to be that so that would be your realization your wake up call your fraudulence that you need to sit in that suffering you know you need to sit in that and you can quantify that experience but you don't have to everyone has their own life journey everyone's going to die and realize it when they die but if you can do it now i would challenge you to challenge yourself <laughs>